This is Breaking Space, a podcast where we dig into the obstacles and solutions to diversifying leadership in the architecture, engineering, construction, and real estate development industries. I'm Rebecca Cervera. I have 18 years of experience in the engineering, construction, and real estate development industries. I'm a certified project manager, a certified passive house consultant, and a member of the Applied Technologists and Technicians of British Columbia. I'm Danny Ferenc, Director of Construction. I've been in the industry for close to two decades, with the last 10 years being in senior management roles. My first exposure to construction was digital wall layout for a framing prefab outfit. And then after my schooling at BCIT, I worked my way up the ladder from a coordinator to where I am today leading multiple construction teams. This episode is brought to you with the support of Y5 Creative, where the brand always comes first. Need a new brand or website? Check out y5creative.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Breaking Space. For this episode, we are back with part two of our conversation with Sue Unerman. Check out last week's episode for part one of this great conversation. You know what? We're just going to dive right into this. So here we go. So maybe we can circle back to um, the echo chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was something uh, yeah, I saw you um, on, a, on a LinkedIn live video and um, you mentioned that the echo chamber and it was uh, it, it really, it really resonated with me because I feel like I have been, you know, in the construction engineering industry for almost 20 years and we've been talking about these things for that long and there just is not um, there hasn't been a lot of, of movement, especially at sort of the senior levels. Um, there is, you know, there is better recruitment. There is, I think, better numbers um, at the, you know, at the bottom of the companies the and, and yeah. in the pipeline and, and getting women in, but, but um, women and, and diversity seeking groups in general um, still are not making it to the top. Um, and so I just wanted to, to discuss that with you, you know, mm. uh, the echo chamber. How do yeah, we break um, it? How do we break it open? What, so, so our previous book was um, the glass wall that I wrote with my co-author Catherine Jacob, and um, it was uh, all about gender, whereas belonging is about broader um, diversity initiatives, and it was aimed at business as well as women. But most of the talks that we gave, and there was about one hundred and fifty, two hundred talks that we gave we'd mainly be giving talks to women and a question would um, repeatedly come up and it would be along the lines of um, somebody would put their hand up and go, can I just ask? Um, And it's a question for the organisers rather than a question for uh, speakers. Just looking around, can I just ask, where are all the men? And the organisers of the talk would say, well, you know, it's International Women's Day or it's a women's network or if there was a man there, he'd go, well, we don't want to take the seats because, you know, back in real life, that if there were 100 chairs or 100 chairs, you know, it's not like today. Right. Virtually. Um, one of the upsides of, um, of what's been happening. Yeah. And um, uh, the woman would say to ask the question, well, if we only ever have this conversation with ourselves, how is anything going to change? And this is the echo chamber. This is, you know, preaching to the choir. And we thought about this and we thought that's a really fair question. And then we looked at the fact that diversity and inclusion initiatives, companies, businesses are spending a lot of money on them. 
They're spending, I don't know what the, the construction industry um, spends on them, but overall, it's six billion pounds worldwide, at, you know, seven, seven and a half, eight billion dollars. And um, it's just astronomical. It's huge. And there's a lot of busyness. But the outcomes, as you point out, very often have not changed. So in the UK, there's still only 11% of CEOs and top FTSE 100 companies are women. Um, for the um, Fortune uh, 500 companies, there's still, again, you know, uh, uh, maybe 20, 25 women CEOs, I think, something like that. It's really just not not fast enough movement. And as we spoke to people, both in quant research and core research for the book, what became clear was first that people didn't believe that their leaders took personal responsibility for diversity. So one in two people believe this. But secondly, that when we spoke to the you know, middle-aged straight white men who are largely running companies, they were saying the stakes are so high. If I do or say the wrong thing now, it could be career ending. Therefore, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a very good woman on my board who will be the board, the, the woman board member, executive board member, and she will be in charge of the pipeline. And my pipeline, my pipeline is fantastic. You know, you'll be very pleased with my pipelines. <laughs> Um, but but personally, I, I you know I'm going to leave it to her because I don't want to get things wrong because it feels like a witch hunt out there. So two thoughts about this. One is is that um, in many of those businesses, the pipeline was perfectly fine as far as gender was concerned anyway, and yet that had not made a difference to the gender pay gap, which is published in the UK, which is still massively in favour of men, nor to the senior appointments on top top boards. But secondly, what it felt to us was, was that, ironically, the inclusion industry had managed to create a situation whereby there was a very strong sense that the men who are currently in power feel excluded from that debate and from that conversation because they're afraid of getting things wrong, because they're having the finger pointed at them for, get, for doing or saying the wrong thing, and therefore their backs are up. You may have no sympathy for them, but... Not having sympathy for them doesn't help change things. What we need is we need to recruit those men as champions of diversity. And we need those men to open up the boardrooms for women, to invite women in. And actually every underrepresented group, because, of course, this is beyond gender. Absolutely. And and you talk in the book about creating silos and and how, you know, it's us, us versus them. Um kind of you know how they feel attacked how they feel like they have to be on the defensive they can't say anything you know they're really worried about saying something that they think is fine and and it being taken as as not it's not okay and and um how do we sort of get past that because i think a lot of it is you know as women or or, our diversity seeking groups we're we want to point out that it's not okay so how do you know how do we how do we sort of achieve both of those goals or do we have to sort of go about it in a different way to, to bring them on board to, so that they don't feel so, so us versus them. Like it's, it's um, like, it's a battle almost. Look, I think it being a battle just isn't helping. Absolutely. It's not. When you feel defensive, it's very difficult to join in 
to create change. But remember, 40% of those straight white men don't feel that they can bring their whole selves to work either. Remember that behind the facade of this alpha patriarchal figure may well be somebody who has experienced microaggressions themselves, who has um, is going through something that isn't visible, that, that, that he's not talking about. And what we need to do is we need everybody to behave with empathy towards each other. So this needs to become an inclusive conversation, not one that points fingers and drives um, the status quo to stay as it is. And is this, is this feminist enough, Rebecca? Is that what I'm saying, feminist enough? Will there be some people in your audience going, you know, this sounds like colluding or... Well, it's it's interesting uh, you say that because I you know the I named the the, the podcast name Breaking Space. It specifically doesn't have the the word women in it because this this is supposed to be a podcast for everyone. This is you know the our target audience is not just is not just women. It's it's it is everyone. It is the leaders. It is everyone in this industry who is interested in in moving this forward. Um, so I think that, I think that's the key. I think, I think exactly what you're saying it, we need to take people out of the silos. We need to stop saying, okay, diversity and inclusion initiatives are just for the pe- people who are looking to be included. Um, and, and really have everyone be a part of those, of those groups, have it, have it, have everyone recognize. Everybody needs to lead this. So we think that everybody has to lead from every seat Everybody has to take ownership of it and everybody should check their circle. So that's a basic thing. I'm both in work or as, as one of our readers who is a fan of the book pointed out to me, he said, this is true outside work, of, of course, as well, isn't it? And I said, yeah, of course it is. If, if your circle at work all look and sound like you, then you should really do something about that. If your circle socially all look and sound like you, I can promise you, it will be not only good but fun to do something about that. The 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 you know my um, uh, uh, author of the foreword for the book, one of the forewords for the book, uh, Karen Blackett, um, who is um, head of our holding company in the UK, and used to be my boss at MediaCom, and she draws an analogy with the Avengers movies, and um, which. Her 11-year-old son is a huge fan of, but actually I'm quite a big fan of the Avengers, Marvel Avengers movies Yeah, as they're well. great. Yeah. And the, the point is, is that do those Avengers all get on all the time? No. Do they all look and sound alike? No. Would you want three Iron Men in the team? No. You want an Iron Man and a Scarlet Witch and, a, and, a, and an Incredible Hulk. And you want them coming together and working together and bringing their different skill sets together. And that's how you get better decisions. And that's how you get better profits, which means that the whole business grows, which opens up those seats in the boardroom. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. I love that. I love that analogy with the Avengers. It's, it's very true. It's very true. Um, it, you know, and so maybe going back to the industries that I'm working in, which, which really are um, traditionally male dominated and yeah. still still are very much male dominated throughout the world not just um you yeah. know in the in the sector in the the demographic that that I am in you know it seems like people talk about the zero sum game and and how you know how well that's a, a reason to be sort of fearful 
of these types of changes that we're talking about. Can you explain a little bit more about that term zero sum? Yeah, the idea is is that if one person wins, somebody else loses. And there's a, 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 a great kind of author on, on work and life in general called Guy Kawasaki. And he coined the, the phrase, there are two types of businesses in the world. There are pie eaters and there are pie bakers. And if you're a pie eater type business, you have a zero sum game philosophy. So you go, there's only enough pizza slices for five people. So if I invite somebody else into the boardroom, then I get less pizza. And then there's the pie bakers and the pie bakers go, do you know what we're going to build? We're going to build, we're going to bake a bigger pie. And they're the companies that have a growth mentality. They're the companies who are succeeding at a time when there is so much disruption and so much challenge. I mean, you know, we work with a lot of challenger brands. We work with a lot of challenger media owners. We have a lot of challenger competition. And what I know is, is that even the challengers now feel challenged. You know, the, 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 the challenges from the first part of this century so far are now really worried about what's, what's the next challenger going to be. So you have to adapt. You have to be flexible. You have to think differently. You cannot run your business in a command and control way and expect it to work like it used to. And um, I think the other very sobering thing that's going on at the moment is that you're seeing businesses closing, right? I'm sure, you know, in the UK, we're seeing businesses fold because they didn't adapt. They weren't ready for what's been going on um, during the last year. And they didn't have a way to think their way out of the crisis that we've been going through in business. Like the, the, the diversity of ideas and, and, and different perspectives being brought to, to sort of the, the decision-making table. Yeah. So I feel like the other one other elephant in the room when it comes to my industry is um, egos. And that's not just, I wouldn't say, uh, only in, in, you know, construction engineering. Um, I think that that's, that's a big part of, of sort of the patriarchy um, in general. And is, it feels like that's something, you know, in order to get people to, to really bring on, um, these changes and say, okay, yeah, we're going to do it differently. They have to sort of get past that the way they've been doing it is not the only way or is not the best way. And, and how, you know, how do we, how do we break through that? Well, I mean, have a look at the belonging book. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There's so, there's so, so, so many great activities in there and, and um, lessons and things to, to sort of carry out. But it does, because it does feel like a very big question, I think is why I sort of said that. How do you get over those egos? We all like to be right. It's a human instinct. And there's a there's a great book uh, that was written a few years ago called Everybody is Wrong Apart From Me. I mean, it, innately. Well, do you remember this? There was a song, I think it was by Shaggy, that was kind of like, you know, it was it was it was all about I've, I've done nothing wrong. Everybody else is. is oh, it, it, it wasn't me. Was it wasn't me. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, that's that's how we're designed as human beings. Great businesses and great team leaders, their job is to bring all the egos together to work together in the best possible way. And as a as a leader myself, you know, my job is to bring the best out in people. My job is not to dominate the conversation. My job is to listen. It's really human to struggle with that. Um, 
again, uh, you know, I'll, I'll quote Karen, who always always says to me, two ears, one mouth, we'll use them in that proportion, shall we, Sue? It's great advice. You need to listen, you need to be empathetic, and you need, I think, as a leader, to ask the question every day, how can I help my team deliver better? Not, why aren't they doing as they're told? Or, why am I not getting enough attention? You know, if, if what you want is your ego boosted, I think you're probably in the wrong job in, in, the, current, in the current climate that we're in. Mm-hmm. And, and that, I mean, you're speaking of egos from at the, at the leadership level. Mm-hmm. And what about, you know, what about eager egos at the, at the, the, the more junior levels or the, the middle levels? Um, well, I think what you're guessing at is you're getting at men versus women again, aren't you? You are talking about male egos predominantly. I guess um, maybe because it does seem to me that there is a difference um, that, that you know e- ego is more important to to one gender than the other and that, that might just be me i'm not i'm not yeah it might play out in different ways i mean what we do know and we know this from um our previous book the glass wall is that men seem to come into the office with an innate understanding that they've got to show off and there's a story this isn't in belong it's in the glass wall and um i love this story actually i used to tell it a lot which is about um, a woman, very senior woman in, um, not in our industries, but actually in um, healthcare, so a, a consultant. And she was telling me a story about her uh, twins, her little boy and her little girl. She said, um, so we went off for this picnic in um, about this time of year, actually. Bluebells were out. It was an Easter egg hunt. And she said, we'd been going on this Easter egg hunt with um, two other families for a number of years now. All the other children were older. My twins were the youngest. And also, it's about 10 children altogether. He was, he was my twin um, boy, was the only, was the only boy. So it's three. So first year, he could properly participate in it. And she said, you know, we got into this routine with the Easter egg hunt whereby the dads would hide the Easter eggs in the woods and the, the mums would lay out the lunch and the, we're doing gender stereotyping already. But, you know, the mums all had, you know, happened to have great careers as well. And then the kids would all go off and find the Easter eggs. And they were those little ones, you know, the little foil wrapped ones. And also, you know, the little gold, gold lint bunnies. Yes. So there would be some of those in there as well. And then all the kids would bring back the eggs to the picnic site and they'd share them out. And so that had, had gone for two or three years until the old, the year that, that this little boy, who I'm going to call Peter, was old enough to properly join in. And Peter came running back as a three-year-old to the picnic site, much ahead of all the other children jumps into the middle of the picnic site and uh, holds up a gold lint bunny. And he says, I've won. I've won, mummy and daddy. I've won. I found the bunny. And there's this pause. And, you know, this woman said to me, I knew what my friends, the other mothers were thinking. They were thinking, hang on a second. This has never been a competition before. And also there's more than one gold bunny. You know, so we technically don't know that he has one. And then there's a pause. No one wants to upset Peter. And into this pause... The dad speaks up and the dad says, yes, he goes, that's right. You've won, Peter. You've beaten all the girls. And she said, look, two things about this. First of all, she said, I do not think that my husband would have said that to the twi- the other twin who happened to be a girl. We might have said to her, he might have said to her, oh, no, no, no we, we're not sure. We shouldn't show off because it was a little boy. He said, yeah, well done. You've beaten all the girls. But she said, I realise that this is what goes on in my office day in, day out. You know, I work in a hospital. It's very busy. It's life or death situations. If my boss passes me in the corridor, 
and says, Jane, how are things going? I just think, oh, I don't want to trouble him. I'll just say everything's under control. Don't worry about anything. So, but I realised talking to you about this, that if my boss passes a man who has the same job as me and says to him how things going, he'll say, oh, everything's fine now. There was a huge crisis, but I solved it. Don't worry about a thing. And in the same 30 seconds, who's lined up for the next pay rise, the next promotion? We have to overcome this. And there's ways in which we can overcome it. If, if, you, if it hurts you to show off, get a friend to do it for you. Speak to somebody who sometimes speaks to your boss and get them to do it for you. Write an email that says, we as a team have achieved this, but make sure that your role in it is clear. You know, there's ways around this because otherwise what's going to happen is the current status quo will reward the people who like showing off. We gave this talk once to a big consulting global company where, like in construction, the top seats tend still to be held by men. And there was one of the men there was a sponsor for the Promising Young Women Network. That's what we were speaking at. And uh, we said to him, you know, have you learned anything from today? And he went, yeah. He said, I've worked for over 20 years for this firm. He said, um, he said you're right, I show off all the time. He said, that's how I got the job when I joined. And, you know, there's days when I can't hear my own showing off because all the men are showing off. You know, I was like, I don't. he said, and you're right, the women don't show off as much. He said, but if I'd given it a second thought, I would have thought it's because they don't have anything to show off about. For 20 years in this industry that was trying to promote young women, and he'd never thought, let's look for the quieter people and give them a constructive and constructed space to talk about their achievements. So it does go both ways. We need women to find a way of showing off a bit. And we need those men, those people with the big egos to look for the talent and support and reward the talent. Because you know what I can tell all of those egos out there is that if they find some brilliant people and have them develop and have them, you know, create new creative ways of, of looking at things then they, as sponsors of those people, will be more successful. And it doesn't just apply to gender. It is gendered, but it also applies to all kinds of underrepresented groups. But And, and the other thing is we've all got to stand up against, you know, banter, microaggressions, that sort of, you know, one man's joke is another person's crushing put down. And it's very difficult to challenge somebody who's your boss in that situation. And I once was having this chat with um, a um, COO, a chief operating officer of an organisation. He said to me, you know, you're wrong, Sue, about the banter thing. He said, I've asked the girls in my team if they think my jokes are funny. And they said, yes. And I said, can we just unpack this? You've asked the women who are reliant on you for a pay rise and a promotion if they find your jokes funny. And you are unsurprised. You are you are you are not surprised that they said yes. I mean, it's just there's so much to unpack there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think allyship is really important. Speaking up for each other because it can be very difficult to speak up for yourself. Yeah, and and I I feel like that's not that's not just gendered either. You know, it's not it's not just women or diversity seeking groups looking to the other groups to speak up for them. 
we need to also recognize there's sometimes, like you said, there can be some kind of banter and it's not necessarily gender, gender based. It could be based on anything. And, and there might be somebody in the group who feels like, yeah, they're being made fun of. And, um, Every, anybody can stick up for that person. It's not. It's not. It's not a gender thing. And I think also anybody and everybody. And everybody, yeah. And also for for the you know for the showing off, um, that's not a gender thing either. I think there are there are plenty of 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 men who also don't feel comfortable showing off. Um, and I think that that can be a cultural thing as as well. And and they also get left. And, and I think that that's that's a, that's one thing about belonging that. Um, I really liked was that it really is everybody. It's not just focused because though that, that group of, of men who feels like they don't fit in, you know, with that alpha male, but they're also not women. So where, you know, they don't, where, where is their group? Where, yeah. how, where yeah. is their opportunity to say, Hey, I'm also, I also feel like I don't belong. We can all take a, take an initiative to, to make our, our teams, our groups, our workplaces, um, our friendship circles, um, you know, our communities more, more inclusive just by being everybody being that ally. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that this is a great place to, to finish off our talk, Sue. I am, um, I, I got some good tips, really good stuff in the book. And I was, I'm really happy that I got to, a chance to speak with you today. Oh, thank you very much for inviting me. So what a brilliant conversation. I think Sue is just a genius and she has so many amazing things to say in the second part of our interview. What were some of the things that stuck out for you, Danny? Well, I mentioned it previously, COVID times, um, and, and I mean, all conversation end up to COVID one way or another these days. But what she brought up about um, belonging, if you if your workplace has not created the culture and the feeling of belonging during COVID times when we only have work, what happens? Like if before, I think pre-COVID times, work is such a minor part of your life. So you'll go to work, you may be miserable, you don't feel like you belong, but after work, you go to a patio, have some drinks with your friends and you're belonging to a community. Now that that has been taken away from us and we really only have work, what happens now? I think the mental impact on the workforce is huge. So companies have to work so much harder to make sure that their staff feels like they belong in order to increase the productivity, in order to increase um, even just worker participation, really anything to sustain staff. Yeah. For the retention. Absolutely. I think that this is... And you and you do see it. I see it, you know, on my LinkedIn. And I talked about this with Sue about how there's so many people, especially at like mid mid level careers, who are leaving companies that they've been with for a long time, um, going out on their own or, or, or joining new places. And and it's a lot more than than what we I, I would have seen previously. And I think that that you know that maybe that 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 whole idea that the place that they were at was not yes. somewhere where they felt like they belonged and um they they th- this is the time that they need to find more 100% 100% and you know going back to the mediacom tagline people first better results this is the time that people actually need to see that that's that's a reality because if you do not put your people first and make sure that they're mentally um happy and satisfied you won't get any results yeah absolutely yeah 
and, 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 you know, Sue talked about like companies closing and, and, and things. Um, maybe that was in the first part, but, but that all of these things, uh, COVID has an impact on, on, on all of these things, but really it comes down to the impact on, on the employees. 100%, 100%. And then the next point, the echo chamber. Yeah, isn't that a great term? I mean, you and I had have yeah. spoken about that, um, not necessarily on the podcast, but in some of our other conversations. And, mm-hmm. um, and I thought that it was, you know, it was one of the reasons why we wanted to start the podcast. Yes. And it was um, when I heard Sue talking about it, uh, I really thought that, yeah, like, this is this this is a a real a real thing a real topic that that um we need to break open and she you know she had an interesting perspective and she she had some some good uh some good insights on conversations she had had about that yeah um i mean like i, I mean both you and i know we attend so many events we are part of so many groups and and you truly are only women so all of us have our sessions and we express how frustrated we are and how we all feel the same. But who's hearing us? Not the people that are fixing it, not the mi- not the uh, majorities. It's the minorities that these, these frustrations are bouncing off of one another and are being echoed. But what happens next? So I think asking where the guys are at, it's it's a huge thing. And I love the fact that when you had an idea about this podcast and the name, you were very conscious about not putting anything female related into the title or the the term woman or anything that has the femininity in it, because you really wanted to make sure that guys would feel welcome to join in and listen in on these conversation and these stories. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Like it's for everybody. And uh, that that was another, I think another thing why I really um, picked up on, on Sue's book because like the, the whole topic of belonging and breaking the echo chamber. And I thought it was interesting that she's talked about, you know, that men don't, it's not that they don't want to be involved in the conversation, but they, they are worried that they're going to say the wrong things. And I think that's just, you know, that's as much on, on us, on the diversity seeking groups and on the women to make the men feel that. hundred percent. Yeah. They're not, we're, we're not, we're not there to, for us, us versus them. No, we're not. Let's do it together. Yeah. And I loved uh, what you mentioned. Ironically, the inclusion industry managed to create an exclusion of men or minorities or majorities, really. And I'm like, that is actually really ironic. And it's so true because I think we have seen it in other sectors, not just in the construction industry. But once you push so hard to include everybody, you tend to exclude people. Um So again, about being conscious about what we are doing versus what we are not doing and how to remove barriers rather than create them and trying to remove them. This yeah. seemed like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, when you start to look at it from that different perspective, you can see how some of the, some of the initiatives that have been brought on it with really good intentions have sort of done the opposite. Yes. And then the next big talking piece, and I think top being in construction is the egos. Uh, I thought that what Sue said was just genius about bringing out the best of all the egos. Like I really had never thought of egos in that way. You always think about it as like, you know, one ego against the other, but she talked about bringing, you know, bringing out, bringing out everyone's egos so that we're all bringing our best to work. And I thought that that was just brilliant. Like it's a totally different way to look at egos instead of seeing them as a negative thing. That's like, oh, put your ego aside. It's like, no everybody bring your egos. Let's, let's do, you know, let's, let's do the, be the best that we can. 
And I think here, like in particular in this instance, us women, um, I think we have a little bit of a benefit in this discussions because I, I feel like women manage to calm the egos or direct the egos better than men do. And I know, and, you know, it probably doesn't apply in every instance um, because I think when an ego attacks an ego, it's an explosion. But I mean, I have an ego for sure, but I also know how to keep my ego in check in instances when somebody's coming at me with their ego. And like, that's a lot of momentum that if you channel it properly, you get a lot more power and a lot more creativity out of it than if you try and suppress it. Yes. Instead of seeing their ego as an attack on you, it's like, okay, yeah, let's take that passion. What are you bringing to this conversation? Exactly. Exactly. And you know, it's true. I mean, I always tell myself like, not that I often have conversations with myself. Actually, I do. But um, when, I think we all do. <laughs> I know, right? Especially during COVID. Um, <laughs> yes. That's why I got a dog, so I can talk to her instead of myself. Um, but like, I feel that when, when somebody on my team fails, it's really my failure, not theirs. Mm. So, so the same with an ego. Like, If I have not given all of my team members the tools and the support to succeed... It's me failing, not them, because they look up to me for assurance, for help, for guidance. So I think it's the same with egos. Like if you have too many egos and you're not managing to guide them into a um, productive conversation, it, it's it's my failure as a leader. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And and yeah, that, I mean, that plays on what Sue said about like making space for everyone to show off. Like 100%. everybody has something to show off for. Let's, let's make sure that we're, we're giving everybody an opportunity to bring that to the forefront. Um, I thought that that was her, her sort of analogies for that were, and her stories around that were really good. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, giving the people that don't have the egos a chance as well. Like that was another, um, subjects because not everybody that has the skill and the knowledge has an ego so they don't overpower but the people that overpower will get the shot because it just overpowers right yeah so that's that's what everybody is listening mm -hmm. to because that's what we're hearing Mm -hmm. that plays into you know the story the easter egg hunt yes story oh i just think that was a that was a great story to show how um like different genders are are socialized to to show off like yes to to say look how great i am or um i win i i'm the winner um and that you know in a tradition like traditionally the 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 male gender is is supposed to win over the girls and over the other boys but girls are never supposed to win over boys for whatever reason but i think this is a reminder this is a reminder we need to pay attention to how we're raising kids so early before this becomes actually something that will be crippling later on. And I, I think we do have the kids' conversations quite frequently, especially given that I don't have kids. I just find it I just find it fascinating to talk to somebody like yourself who is so um, aware about what happens and who works in a in a as a minority in an industry to see how you raise your girls. Like how do you raise them to stand up and be themselves and you know I, I hope more parents will take this conversation as a um, as a reminder, like 
It's, I mean, it's, so you bring that up and I actually was having a conversation with my girls like just last weekend, we were brainstorming about ways that they can beat the boys at races and how they can be faster. And we were talking about, you know, <laughs> the different things that they can do to like build up their muscles or like, <laughs> you know, they're, they're like, that's my goal. They're telling me that like, that's one of their goals because the boys are faster. They, yeah. they just, you know, that's the, just the physiology of, of yeah. their, their bodies. Right. Um, but I was saying, you know, our whole conversation was based on that's not, you love don't it. have to just accept that. Right. And so I love it. it goes with that. And I think it does, it, it does, it does start, it starts young and it starts all of these kind of conversations that we've had um, throughout the podcast really do talk about a lot about the different way that we are socialized um, to promote ourselves or um, yeah. to show off or, or to, to, to put ourselves uh, that it's okay for us to sort of, to sort of win. And I think a lot of that is that self-talk really starts, it does start young. So it's, it's, um, it's, it, it's achievable too. It feels yes. like that's something that, you know, I can make a very small difference yeah. just, just by being supportive of like of my daughters to, to yeah. be, to be winners and that it's okay. It's okay to be a winner. Yeah. And, and I think the the new generation is a little bit more fortunate because all of these topics are not a taboo anymore. Like it's more talked about, um, equality is talked about on a regular basis and, um, female empowerment. So, you know, I, I am very happy for them that they're learning about these things at a younger age. So I think there's a lot more retraining of our generation than the next generation, because the Easter egg hunt, it was really the dad who encouraged this behavior, which is, you know, the new generation, I think. That that may be true, but I think that I also... I don't want to have to wait for the next generation. Like I, you know, after, after having some discrimination, discriminatory things happen to me at work and telling yep. people about it and they say, well, you know, it will get better. The next generation will be better. <laughs> and I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't want to wait. I still have to get to retirement in this day and age. So yeah, make it good. hundred percent, hundred percent. And, you know, I'm glad that we have the opportunity to talk about these things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I hope, um, I hope it makes a difference. 100%. 100%, Rebecca. All right. Talk to you later, Danny. Sounds good. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. If you like this episode of Breaking Space, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to be notified of future episodes. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn.